So, do you know what the Turing test is? Yeah, I know what the Turing test is. It's when a human interacts with a computer. And if the human doesn't know they're interacting with a computer, the test is passed. And what does the pass tell us? That the computer has artificial intelligence. Are you building an AI? I've already built one. And over the next few days, you're going to be the human component in the Turing test. Holy shit. Yeah, that's right, Caleb. You got it. Because if that test is passed, you are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. If you've created a conscious machine, it's not the history of man. That's the history of gods. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 263, Ex Machina. I almost feel like we need to make a big deal about being back on this episode, too, since so many people just skip to give us a second. Yeah, finally a return for regular episodes. So we meant to record a Give Us a Second, which has not come out yet will come out maybe later this week or sometime over the weekend. Mm -hmm. We meant to record that one before I left on a trip. Yeah. But I was dealing with a horrible situation. Okay. Physically. (laughs) Which happens from time to time. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Just couldn't bear to do it. I get it. Sometimes I just get these cryptic texts from you. (laughs) We're on hiatus. Yeah. Well, I figured, you know what? Forget it. We just miss a lot of time now. So I had to fly to Arkansas for like a few days. And it turned out to be such like a horrible nightmare because of the toothache that I was dealing with. And then the flight was a bad situation for me with my ears. And I couldn't hear after the first, (laughs) after like landing in Arkansas. And I knew this was somehow going to be like a disaster for you. Yeah. And I couldn't eat the entire time. Because my stomach was like all twisted up with like anxiety, <laughs> which was just made worse by like dreading the flight home, thinking like I was gonna have the problems with I'm never gonna be able to hear again. My ears, and it was just very painful. Uh-huh. And then having to deal with the tooth situation when I, as soon as I got back, there was a lot of stress there because it had been pretty brutal like leading up to it, which is why we didn't record in the first place. And so. It just was a mess, you know, and of Mm -hmm. course, starting a new job and then being down there for orientation and going out to all these like lunches and dinners and refusing to eat. (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) making jokes like everyone's going to think of me as the guy that just refuses to eat. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My friend who went with me saying 
Oh yeah, that's definitely what everyone's saying, like a hundred percent. I'm like, well, it's better than the alternative, which would have been the guy that shit his pants <laughs> if he ate something down here. And oh just, boy, it just was a rough scene. Yeah, a rough scene, just counting the seconds to be able to come back. Sure, it was a welcome break for me too. I was in Nebraska, <laughs> and then the following week had to host like some work dinners and stuff back here. So I enjoyed having the time. It worked out. Yeah. So now we're back. We're recording a bunch of shit today, including the year in review. Give us a second that already posted, and we're recording a couple other things, hopefully, after this. Maybe one thing. Who knows? But we're trying to get back on track. We know we have some listener requests to get to. There'll be more information coming soon on how we're going to handle some listener requests over the next couple months. So stay tuned for that if you have one in, and maybe we'll be getting to it sooner rather than later who knows they are still spread out over the rest of the year sure. but we're going to try to do a bunch of them in a shorter amount we're of time like coming up backed ourselves into a corner with these listener requests <laughs> yeah what a huge <laughs> mistake what a huge really? mistake that's okay so ex machina another a24 film one of their signature films that i think really helped develop their reputation in the early days it came out in 2014 written and directed by alex garland whose reputation has grown oh, yeah. so much that now the trailer for his new film is from Alex Garland, right. you know, to get people hyped up for men starring yeah, yeah. Jesse Buckley. <laughs> He's a guy that was like a writer before, right? Didn't he actually write like novels and stuff? Did he write The Beach? That sounds right, but I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, God forbid you do the research. Well, first. okay. Well, I just, I, I always kind of hold you up to this regard of like you're all knowing so if i think something you'll definitely know it he wrote the novel the beach and then he wrote screenplays for 28 days later and sunshine so he was, he was a danny boyle guy for a while never let me go from 2010 and dread from 2012 oh wow and now has directed a few films and he did the tv show devs which i did not see but I did see Annihilation. We're not really going to spend sure. a ton of time talking about that. But this movie, I would say, it was a pleasant surprise for me when we went to see it. And I kind of was like, you know, Oscar Isaac at the time, I, like I knew, I loved Inside Lewin Davis, but that was kind of, that was kind of it really. And I'm like, this is sort of a weird look that he's rocking. Dom Hall Gleason, I kind of feel like 2015 was like this weird coming out party for him because he was in like The Revenant that year too and a couple other things. I don't know. I'm just like, okay, these two guys that I'm kind of only quasi-familiar with. Well, they were both in Star Wars, which came out the same year. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. They were in The Force Awakens. But Donald Gleeson was also in The Revenant that year, too. Yeah. Both of which were also nominated for Best Visual Effects, which Ex Machina won, and it was the first A24 Oscar. And it was like one of the lowest budgeted films to win the best visual effects in years. Oh, wow. And those other films, obviously, The Revenant, Mad Max Fury Road, Star Wars, huge, huge budgets. And this little yeah, yeah. semi-indie feeling film, not quite indie, close to it, wins best visual effects. It was also nominated for best original screenplay for Garland, which it did not win. The budget was $15 million. The box office was $36.9 million, So it did... Pretty well. It's another one of those like it's like a fifteen million that feels bigger. The For scope sure. is is limited. There's not like a ton of different sets. They're at like a rich dude's house on a insane estate. 
The title derives from the Latin phrase deus ex machina, meaning a god from the machine, a phrase that originated in Greek tragedies. An actor playing a god would be lowered down via a platform or a machine and solve the character's issues resulting in a happy ending. But I think over time, that phrase took on a more literary meaning to mean how something works or how it's resolved. I always took it as almost the magic that makes okay. something alive or work. Gotcha. I really and didn't know what it was. You could even apply that to a human being. Uh-huh. In other words, even if you could create the tissue and the organs and the skin and the hair and how do you turn it on? You right, know what I mean? That, right. Like in other words, I took it to even to that level, like the thing that makes something work that you can't quite explain. Okay. And so I'm not 100% sure that what I'm saying is even right, but that's how I always thought of it. And so this title made sense to me Okay, because you're dealing with artificial intelligence and, and turning it on and, and turning it into a human and how do you make it? Yeah. I really didn't know what the title meant. And in fact, going into this movie, I'm not even sure I knew what it was about. I remember us going to see it in the theater, but... I, I, well, I, that pretty much sums you up, just yeah, blindly yeah. trusting me to make decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, though. It's <laughs> it, it's fun going into something not knowing what it's going to be, and then it's something great. It's only seven, eight years ago, and yet I don't really remember why I would have wanted to see this. I don't remember if I saw trailers or what. I'm assuming I must have seen previews before other movies. That's how I yeah, generally yeah. saw things, but... Who knows? In my life of knowing movies and going to movies, there's definitely been a few where you will say a title like it's something that I should just know that, yeah, this is on the list of things we should see this year. And I'm like, I've never heard of whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I forget like how out of it you are. Yeah, yeah. Just never really knowing about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Including this, the Sam Elliott the power of the dog thing at some point i was just like you know what i don't really want to be connected to the world anymore it's just not fun yeah you're probably right ex machina had a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes which is not surprising unless you want to say it's surprising that there were eight percent of critics that weren't into it oh yeah people liked this movie for sure and it's another in a long line of science fiction films that deal with a bigger broader topic like humanity empathy what it means to be sentient there's a lot of inspiration from 2001 a space odyssey but of course i can't help but think about blade runner and oh, yeah. blade runner 2049 and how these those things relate even alien well. to some degree with the droid characters one of the driving ideas behind Ex Machina is that everything becomes obsolete eventually and will be replaced and this is something that's echoed by Oscar Isaac's character, Nathan, when he talks about how in the future AI will look back at mankind the same way that mankind looks at fossils dug up out of Africa. What a bummer (laughs) monologue that is. And in the narrow scope of the film itself, you have the character of Ava who fears, if that's the right word, and we're going to get into how to relate to an artificial intelligence's quote unquote emotions. Right, right. But understands on some level that she will be shut off and replaced by something else and that everything she has experienced will be lost like tears and rain. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, that it's the same as killing her. Right, it's, right. It's starting off because it, it it'll be like starting over, and it also deals with power dynamics, and it's really set up like a stage play with three characters a lot of the time. Sometimes a fourth character, Kyoko, yeah. like getting in the mix as well. And they actually are playing like this kind of weird game of cat and mouse. They all kind of don't know each other's yeah, intentions. Yeah, it's all about manipulation right. and who's controlling who. And in the end, you sort of realize that the character you thought had the least agency may have had the most all along. Right. And that the one doing the testing was the one that you thought was being tested. <laughs> <laughs> and everything sort of gets turned on its head. And the film doesn't even really shy away from laying that all out there for you yeah, in a yeah. way if you want to see it like that with words that come up on the screen. It's a lot of people trying to be like one step ahead of the other one. Yeah, and you can forget that one of the three main characters is supposed to be essentially a robot and non-human and just think of them as three characters on a different level of the ladder and yes. all trying to move and overtake each other as to who has control and who is deciding what. And one of the things that jumps out to me, if, if you're doing research for Ex Machina and you're looking up different think pieces or YouTube videos or reading different articles about it or reviews, it all comes back to this one idea. And I think that it's at the center of the film. And even when you watch these things or read these things, you can see or hear the person losing touch with it, which is the separation of what Ava actually is from the Ava that is presented to us and the Ava you start to believe in. Right, right. And even though you're being told by Nathan's character by the end of the film, essentially, I made her look a certain way, act a certain way, do this, do that, made her feminine, etc., to fuck with you, Yeah, yeah. it still works, even if you're not thinking like, oh, I'm going to have sex with Alicia Vikander. You're thinking, she's a pretty girl, she has a personality, I like her voice, I I believe what she's saying. You lose yourself. Yeah, yeah. In these scenarios, but I think really at the end you don't know what to believe. What a beat down scene that is for Caleb. <laughs> and these people that are like talking about the film and theorizing about the film, they can't help themselves but express it in a way that is purely human. Right. In such things like Ava is getting revenge, or Ava is mad at how she was treated, yeah. or Ava is afraid of something that's going to happen to her. And it's like, I don't know if those things are real though. Yeah, I mean... And that's the whole point of the movie. Right, right. There's that scene where Nathan is like, you're the first guy other than me that's been in her life. Can you blame her for having a crush on you? But the same is true, too. It's almost like Caleb's been put in this situation where it's like, it's been set up that, of course, he's going to start feeling something for her. Yeah, and you do have to question that even if everything goes according to Nathan's plan and everything goes well, did he game the system too much to really be a test of anything. Right. Shouldn't the point be if he can forget that she's an AI and not be attracted to her sexually or think (laughs) that there's some future? Like, It feels like you're gaming the system to get the answer that you want by tricking him with these things. Sure. And I'm not sure how that really proves anything. Well, I agree. But what it comes down to is I think that you're supposed to try to wonder if Ava has real emotions or not, and it comes back to the testing of the chess computer scenario that Caleb lays out. 
does the computer know that it's playing chess? Does it know what chess is rather than just doing good chess moves? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they never really address whether for sure. if they're you're testing her that way. You're still left with that unknown at the end. But um, a lot of people treat it as if she is the same as having human emotions, and I'm not so sure that that's the takeaway. Right. Like you said, you brought it up as an influence, but it's not dissimilar from 2001 A Space Odyssey where the AI there, it does seem like it's this drive to exist. Yes, that's, that's what really... it boils down to. And as we were joking about before we started recording, I don't know that you would list self-preservation as a human emotion because <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the same category. Is there a emoji for that? I do think that Ava has this instinctual desire to remain, quote unquote, alive. And you can sometimes compound that into an emotion or confuse that with an emotion. I don't know, but it it almost feels more animalistic, like an instinct to survive, to self-preserve right. over... And not be trapped. That's part of it, too. Actually having happiness, sadness, fear anger etc yeah it's not just exist i mean i would say her pursuit of freedom is a part of it as well yes ex machina's plot is a loose adaptation of william shakespeare's play the tempest and each of the film's three main characters are roughly analogous to characters from the play nathan played by oscar isaac is a powerful manipulative inventor who lives in a remote resort corresponds to Prospero, a powerful magician who lives on a remote island and who manipulated the events and characters in the story to his liking. Okay. Though Nathan is a computer programmer and artificial intelligence pioneer, not a magician, his parallels to Prospero are a nod to Arthur C. Clarke's famous dictum that, quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Ava, played by Alicia Vikander, is... Analogous to Miranda, Prospero's daughter, both Miranda and Ava were created by Prospero slash Nathan, and neither has been exposed to experiences or people outside of their respective confines. Caleb, played by Domhnall Gleeson, is equivalent to Ferdinand. In both the play and the movie, the Prospero character contrives to bring Caleb slash Ferdinand to his isolated and remote home, and in both cases, the Caleb Ferdinand character falls in love with the prospero character's daughter or quote-unquote daughter in ex machina they do make a uh, magician's connection to nathan too with the whole magician's assistant thing as misdirection oh there's tons of stuff in this that apply or that are taken from other things the bible oh yeah they're all biblical names ava is a play on eve right one of the prior robots is named lily which we'll, we'll talk about that more later there's also like the famous Bluebeard fairy tale. There's all different things mixed in there. So a lot of uh, literary allusions here. Garland described this as being set, quote, 10 minutes from now or the imminent future. Right. Would it really be surprising if Google or Apple or something announced that they had created something like this? <laughs> Would it be that shocking? To start the rise of the machines? I'd say maybe 15 minutes from now. Yeah, okay. I, there's a little we're bit not, in this. We're not quite there. I don't know if we have the technology to mimic like human skin. And... But, or uh, what does he call it? The, the brain? Like It's not software, it's wetware? Yeah. Or whatever. Or it's not hardware, it's wetware? But it is probably closer than we think, and someday something like this may be possible. Who knows? Yeah. I think we're closer to her. <laughs> Just a voice? Just the operating system, yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of people did make comparisons between Ex Machina and her as well. So the movie kicks off with programmer Caleb Smith, played by Gleason, who works for the dominant search engine company Blue Book. He wins a company contest for a one-week visit to the luxurious, isolated home of the company's CEO, Nathan Bateman, played by Oscar Isaac, and you're essentially plunged right into it. Oh, yeah. I actually forget every time I watch it how short the little prelude is before he's in the helicopter. Just it's some very people quick. congratulating him in an office and on his cell phone. That's it. Then you're in a helicopter. Oscar Isaac, too many movies now? Is he in too many things? He's a very prolific actor, for sure, but he's still on my list of people that I'm interested in. If he's in something, I'm, it's at least... All right. I'm just catching my eye. I think I've been turning the corner recently, and I'm just sort of tired of seeing the same people. It's nothing against him I kinda specifically, know what you mean, but, yeah. but there's a handful of actors and actresses that are just in so many things, it kind of takes you out of it now. They're just in too many. Yeah. I think people should pull a Gosling and just take like a few years off and come back. Sure. Or DiCaprio, who's done that lately. Right, right. He really only did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood since The Revenant, which came out like in 2015 or whatever. Oh, yeah. He's basically been in one movie since then. Good for him. There's a little joke here in the helicopter that is sort of lifted, oddly, from a film called Quigley Down Under starring Tom Selleck, (laughs) which is a (laughs) Western that takes place, I think, in Australia. There's a line that's like, are we on such and such property yet? And he's like, we've been walking on his property for the last two days. Okay. And the helicopter, we've been flying over his property for the last two hours. Yeah, yeah. So the helicopter pilot, actually, you know what? Before we get into the even the flight, th- that beginning of the movie when he wins the contest, it's your first indication that Caleb is always being watched, which is a theme of the film. It briefly takes you into that weird POV with like the odd lighting. Right. As if his phone is like recording him. Yeah. And that comes up later in the film that that's something that Nathan does. And then it also mirrors what happens to him when he's in Nathan's home and he's under surveillance all the time. But the helicopter pilot drops him off seemingly in the middle of the wilderness and it's just like, follow the river and you'll find the house. That would have been immediate panic. (laughs) It would have been like, well, what if I don't find it? (laughs) Then what? You actually do get lost. You just never make it to this guy's house. You're in the middle of nowhere. This they is, filmed this in Norway. Nathan's lifestyle, I kind of feel like if you were rich, this is not too far off of where you would land. Just somewhere in, like, no people. An isolated know, house filled with sex droids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know where this is supposed to actually be taking place. They filmed it in Norway, so I, I it could be Norway. I don't know. Right. I'm not really sure. They never specify what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like a practical way to live. I don't know who's bringing him food. Like, how long is does he stow away at this house for? It seems all the time. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the helicopter pilot brings groceries. Supplies. Nathan lives in a modern home nestled among climbing hills next to a waterfall. So what are your... First impressions of Nathan once we meet him. Too broy for me, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, He's I would almost kind say of a dick. like friendly, but there's something off, right? In some way, and it's odd. And that's the way Caleb feels towards him the whole time. That's the way it seems like. It never really quite feels like. Can I really trust this guy? Yeah, there's definitely a lack of comfort 
in their relationship. And I do think that it's because Nathan is putting on a performance that is probably not his real personality. And so that's why there's something a little off about it. Right. And from the Caleb perspective, you can kind of feel that he kind of knows that there's, it just feels off and, and not right. So Nathan takes him around the house. Caleb has issued this key card when he first arrives. And this is how it's similar to the, the Bluebeard fairy tale, which Bluebeard gets married to a new wife. He allows her to go into certain parts of the castle, forbids her to go into other parts. Her curiosity gets the better of her eventually. She goes into a room she's not allowed to go in, and she finds all of the bodies of the previous wives dead and oh murdered. Boy. Yeah. And it's not unlike what is eventually discovered That's right. in Nathan's closet or in other parts of the facility, I guess. <laughs> yeah, some room Nathan has. Oscar Isaac said he based his characterization of Nathan on Bobby Fischer and Stanley Kubrick, who he sees as mysterious, elusive geniuses. The now iconic look of the latter also served as an inspiration for his beard. Okay. It is an odd look with him in this movie with the the shaved head and the beard and the glasses. I I think Oscar Isaac is a sharp-looking guy in a lot of movies. Here, it's it's almost puzzling. Nathan has Caleb sign an NDA. Which is a fucked-up NDA, too. It's basically like... We can check out any of your shit for like the rest of your life, it seems like. He wants to share what he's been researching, but he needs to take precautions that it doesn't leak or get out. It is reminiscent almost of like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> They're signing like some sort of contract and Caleb's like fisting. <laughs> What's that? I didn't agree to this. <laughs> He's like, well, just cross out the parts that you don't want to agree to. <laughs> and as soon as he signs it, which he does fairly quickly there's some reluctance but then he just is like you know what i don't want to miss out on whatever this is he signs it and then almost right away he's brought into the fold what is going to happen nathan asks him do you know what the turing test is and they start to talk about artificial intelligence and i was glad they explained it because i didn't know yeah it's basically the test to determine if an ai could pass for a real person Uh uh-huh caleb gives the quote about it's not just the history of mankind, it'd be the history of gods. And almost inadvertently, he begins feeding into Nathan's insane ego. Oh, yeah. Which is just like a runaway train throughout the film and almost seems to like increase in power as he becomes more convinced that he, it's working. <laughs> you were right, man. I am a god. <laughs> well, that's not exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of misquoting right. going on. After Caleb has started to settle in, Nathan reveals to him that he's built a female robot, which, according to Wikipedia, is called a like a gynoid. <laughs> okay, I guess like gynecological. That's like that a, sort of a name. And I, I was me. like, that can't be real. Yet you can click on it on Wikipedia, and it's a whole article about the concept of these female fembots or, okay. or whatever. And I was like, okay. Well, it's another thing that's like we're Blade trying Runner. to keep our yeah. sexism casual on this show. Yes, okay? going forward. <laughs> Casual only. But anyway, the female robot's named Ava and has artificial intelligence. Caleb will be the human component of the Turing test to judge whether Ava is genuinely capable of thought and consciousness, despite knowing she is artificial. So this is where Nathan is taking the step to go beyond what is usually considered a passable Turing test, because... Caleb thinks, well, wouldn't it work better if I didn't know 
what I was talking to. And he says, no, no, no. The real test should be that you do know that she's not real and that she still convinces you. Right. And in a way, that does make sense. But you have to realize that there could be possible motivations for him to want to see her. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the test will be passed if Caleb forgets that Ava is not human during their daily sessions. And this all falls under the umbrella of manipulation, which is where the movie lives and dies and breathes, and it's everything. You have Nathan manipulating Caleb in ways that aren't even fully clear to us yet, but he feels suspicious right off the bat. Right. You have Nathan manipulating both Caleb and Ava. You have Ava potentially manipulating Caleb, but could she also be manipulating Nathan? We don't know. And then who will win out? Whose manipulation will work the best? <laughs> who knows what and when do they know it? Hello. Hi. I'm Caleb. Hello, Caleb. Do you have a name? Yes. Ava. I'm pleased to meet you, Ava. I'm pleased to meet you, too. I've never met anyone new before. Only Nathan. Then I guess we're both in quite a similar position. Haven't you met lots of new people before? None like you. So we need to break the ice. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. What do I mean? Overcome initial social awkwardness. So let's have a conversation. Okay. What would you like to have a conversation about? Why don't we start with you telling me something about yourself? What would you like to know? Whatever comes into your head. Well, you already know my name. And you can see that I'm a machine. Would you like to know how old I am? Sure. I'm one. One what? One year or one day? One. When did you learn how to speak, Ava? I always knew how to speak. And that's strange, isn't it? Why? Because language is something that people acquire. Well? Some people believe language exists from birth, and what is learned is the ability to attach words and structure to the latent ability. Do you agree with that? I don't know. Will you come back tomorrow, Caleb? Yes. Good. So we start with Ava session one. Yeah, and I think this is when you first see it. I guess it's... There's a lot of things that make Caleb sort of uneasy and not really trusting the situation. One being, I believe it in this scene is when you first see that there's the glass encasement that she's behind is like partially smashed. Yeah, there's like some fractured glass. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And there's a lot to take away. So during these sessions, they occupy certain spaces and Ava will occupy a room, a room that she's always contained in. But when they are holding these sessions, it's actually... Caleb, who's in the smaller That's true. box, Ava will sort of pace around like a caged animal, 
and be more free to roam during these moments. But then the other thing that you would pick up on maybe the more and more you watch it is that there's certain moments that you see her reflection in the glass and other moments when you do not. When she's being two-faced, I guess you would say, is when you see her reflection. I so see. there's two of wow. her. And then when she is caught off guard or, or being more genuine, you only see her and not her reflection. Oh, that's something I'll have to pay attention to next time. Ava is played by Alicia Vikander. She has a robotic body, but a human-looking face, hands, and feet. I thought this was an interesting presentation. And obviously this is a choice by Nathan because he has other models that are fully, like the full skin situation. It's even more in your face that she's a robot or whatever. AI. Gynoid. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just not say that anymore. I don't like it. (laughs) Strike it from the record. Yeah. He seems to want to present himself to Caleb as being above board. It would be a dirty trick to make her fully human. So he's thinking, if I present her in a way where you can never look away from her robotic features, that will be even better. And that that puts Caleb at ease. So right, Caleb right. is his guard lowers a little bit because if she walks out either looking already human or if she's naked or whatever then his guard is going to go up because he's like well wait wait a minute like, right, right. this is crazy but like okay look she's a robot i want you to know she's a robot so calm down and then it probably opens him up to be manipulated easier because yeah I'd it makes so. it seem like it's above board he forgets until later he he, he comes to the yeah. conclusion of like well why did you make her a woman at all well why some this, of it seems like just a game to Nathan too like like oh, the yeah. further you get into it he's upping the difficulty you know what i mean he's going from whatever world class to legendary <laughs> by like adding obstacles <laughs> to just be like and even through this this dope is still going to fall in love with her so they have their first conversation and she speaks back to him and she's able to carry a conversation although she does get a little tripped up with one when he asks how old she is and she says one and he says one what year day and she just says one again okay which is weird it doesn't really fit with the rest of the film and i'm not entirely sure what they're saying i know because she's so intuitive about everything else it just seems like she would be able to answer that and it's never addressed by nathan either so i'm not entirely sure what we're supposed to take from that this is where you get your first look at the visual effects and they look really cool I think it was very time-consuming the way they did it because it's almost like there's certain parts of her body that are quasi-see-through. And so they had to like shoot the space behind her and then sort of fill that in yeah. manually after the fact. It or does something. seem like a lot of work, but it looks great. Yeah, it's very cool. She has a unique look. In the immediate aftermath of the first conversation, this is where Nathan is really feeling himself. And he quotes her, he misquotes, Caleb back to Caleb (laughs) Caleb is sort of powerless under the (laughs) the wheels of Nathan who are just plowing forward with this (laughs) vision he has of himself and Nathan is a a little dismissive of Caleb and the future that he's thinking of the books and the movies made about this moment (laughs) but Caleb is fascinated with Ava immediately and that's undeniable and he's very interested in discussing her technological design with Nathan but he's quickly shut down And Nathan always has this way of talking that he seems like he's saying the right things, but he comes off as, like, super condescending. Right. He's like, well, look, dude, it's not that I think that you're too dumb. 
I just don't want to. I don't want this to be a seminar. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, well, don't. I think you're smart, but come on. <laughs> and it got me thinking a little bit about how we as a society engage with this sort of information. And, and you can think of Elon Musk or, or similar equivalents to who Nathan is supposed to be, maybe like a Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not really sure, but it's not that we as a society fear intelligence, but what we actually fear is intelligence plus vision. We fear that these people who are this creative and also this intelligent would do something like what Nathan is doing here. And that's where a lot of science fiction is derived from this insatiable desire to push the boundaries of creation and design into gray areas and it, it, you can even simplify it into something like Jurassic Park for example uh -huh. or something like more basic where we're pushing these boundaries in a direction where we don't know the consequences and we don't know what's going to happen next I don't really know what the correlation is among extreme intelligence and sociopathy but if you have that combination which is sort of the type of person I think we're supposed to think Nathan is where he's so super intelligent but also lacks normal like compassion compassion and and humanity he becomes this monster over the course of the film that we, well he's always been but we are right. revealed to it finally and what kind of power these people could have in society and what their actions could do to the detriment of humanity in general whether you're talking about creating some new technology or not caring about yeah. the environment and and in, in pursuit of whatever they're doing or I think, whatever it um, is just how generally dismissive he is of caleb is sort of a peek at just how he feels about people in general yeah for sure and i do think that a lot of what you could take from this movie is more of a reflection of humanity and a statement about humanity than it is about the potential for artificial intelligence or for even science fiction it's about how people treat each other mm -hmm. and different personality types and things of that nature. Nathan is actually more interested in how Ava makes Caleb quote-unquote feel. He's more interested in, in an abstraction rather than a technical, specific conversation. And I think very early on here, after just session one, it's a little bit of a window into Nathan's more insidious motives. Yes. He's concerned about how he feels because he wants to know if there's any kind of a, an emotional reaction already. But he's presented a female robot who is already sort of flirtatious and interested in what Caleb has to say. And it all falls under emotional manipulation. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, this seems like it could be uh, something I could ride. In Caleb's room in the facility, there is a TV that he can turn on that has a camera or various camera angles into Ava's room. Which that does just feel bizarre. I'd be fine with watching Netflix in my time that's <laughs> not during these sessions. That but first night, there's a power cut, which leads to the backup power being activated. And when that happens, all of the locks automatically trigger, and it's a complete lockdown. So in, in those few moments, Caleb's actually locked in his room, unable to get out. So they introduced this here in the middle of the night... Yeah, And it gives the chance for Nathan to explain that this has been going on, which becomes a plot point in the movie that all is part of the conclusion. But Ava is doing this the whole time? Yeah. In this instance, why? We don't know. Yeah. 
She's a robot. We don't know what she's doing. <laughs> like, what, what is this? We girl never know thinking? what she's doing. Yeah, in there. yeah. What is she doing? I never know what she's doing back there. Once the power comes back on, Caleb wanders out. He comes across Nathan's Jackson Pollock painting on the wall, and he starts trying to use the phone. And then Nathan's been sitting there in the dark, just, just drinking. A weird guy, just deranged. This lifestyle he's living. He's creepy, but he's also like annoyed that. Caleb's wandering around trying to use the phone. A weird scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Nathan's probably right. You shouldn't be trying to use the phone. I don't know why he would be. But what the fuck is Nathan doing sitting here in the dark in this room? Just being a weirdo. Yeah. Which brings us to Ava session two. And as this goes along, their relationship sort of develops further. They, They dig more into these conversations. And Nathan is now more interested in how does Ava feel about Caleb. And in their session two, she wants to know about him, which gets him flustered and takes him aback. And you can sort of tell already that this plan of Nathan's is already working. And we don't really get a whole lot of backstory about Caleb, but... It's clear that maybe he doesn't interact with a lot of women and he doesn't know how to handle it. (laughs) (laughs) And he gives his whole backstory where he was in the car with his parents and they get in this car accident and they both die and he's an orphan. It's a bummer. At least based on the reflection theory, it does seem like it catches Ava off guard legitimately because you don't see her reflection in that moment when she actually reacts for the first time to that story. I don't know if that necessarily means that the empathy is real, but it could potentially be something approaching it. We don't know. Probably something to the Caleb choice that he has this backstory to. You could read into it anyway, that he would be someone Nathan would choose. People with like that sort of trauma, that emotional background or present themselves as more easier targets for manipulation. Yeah, I think that gets brought up later. When yeah, yeah, he's, like, okay. Flipping out at the end. Do you like Nathan? Yes, of course. Is Nathan your friend? My friend? I, yeah, I hope so. A good friend. Um, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I mean, not a good friend. A good friend is. Uh, we only just met each other, you know. So it takes time to be able to. Um, to, to get to know each other, I guess. your friend. Excuse me? I'm sorry. If I, I don't understand. You shouldn't trust him. You shouldn't trust anything he says. How And if we made a list of books or works of art which we both know, it would form the ideal basis of a discussion. 
Is that okay? During their conversation, there's another power cut, and this is the turn, the hook. So it's only into the second conversation, and Ava starts saying that Caleb shouldn't trust Nathan and that Nathan lies. Yeah, it doesn't take her long to plant that seed. She does a really convincing job of approximating fear yeah. and concern, and I think even as a viewer, when you're watching this film for the first time, you completely buy into this. You're like, okay, this is Alicia Vikander. Yeah. She's a damsel in distress. Of course, you're immediately but she's being siding with like, her. Very cryptic about the whole thing, though, too. Yeah, Not she's just she's putting a little. It's like the text I get from you about when maybe the show might not be happening anymore. A <laughs> little bit of bait on yeah. the hook. She's just she's dangling it out there to see what she's gonna get. She doesn't want to commit fully. Right, yet. right. So we're two conversations into this thing between the two of them, and it's pretty clear that Caleb is attracted to Ava, and she seems to reciprocate those feelings. Over the next few days, these feelings will increase and evolve over their continued dialogues. And during this power outage, Ava tells Caleb that Nathan is a liar who cannot be trusted. And so this signifies a big change in Caleb's perception of Ava and the entire situation. So she immediately takes this beyond just a Turing test now. Because now he feels invested in something that he didn't even know was a possibility. He was just a little put off by Nathan at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now something bigger is happening. Right, and it does mark a turn for him in how he handles Nathan because now he may have been withholding certain feelings about things, but at this point now he's starting to lie to Nathan. Yeah. Because he does question him about what happened during the outage. Yeah, which should be noted confirms that Nathan can't see or hear during the power cut. That right. shuts down everything. Nathan lives alone out there except for a servant named Kyoko, who he says does not speak English, played by Sonoya... Mizuno, her first appearance is rather jarring when she just comes into Caleb's room and wakes him up and doesn't say anything, and he's just like, who the fuck is this? Right, right. But one of the things that you notice when you watch the film is the way that Nathan treats Kyoko. is It's very uh, abusive feeling and strange. Well, he doesn't treat her like a human, that's for sure. Right, and obviously it hasn't been revealed to us yet officially. Although, weren't you... Thinking that's yeah, what it was. I, I pretty I, much assumed I, right, right yeah. away that she was not a person. Exactly. But they do act like in the movie like it's a reveal. Yeah. Nathan is also very clearly an alcoholic, and we'll we'll circle back to that more later. That sort of plays in with some of the, the bigger literary illusions that go on in the film. This is where Ava was created. Go ahead, take a look. If you knew the trouble I had getting an AI to read and duplicate facial expressions, you know how I cracked it? I don't know how you did any of this. Every cell phone, just about, has a microphone, camera, and a means to transmit data. So I turned on every microphone and camera across the entire fucking planet, and I redirected the data through Blue Book. Boom. Limitless resource of vocal and facial interaction. You hacked the world's cell phones? Yeah, and all the manufacturers knew I was doing it, too. But they couldn't accuse me without admitting they were doing it themselves. Here, 
We have her mind. Structured gel. I had to get away from circuitry. I needed something that could arrange and rearrange on a molecular level, but keep its form when required. Holding for memories, shifting for thoughts. This is your hardware? Wetware. And the, uh, and the software? Well, I'm sure you can guess. Blue Book. Here's the weird thing about search engines. It was like striking oil in a world that hadn't invented internal combustion. Too much raw material. Nobody knew what to do with it. You see, my competitors, they were fixated on sucking it up and monetizing via shopping and social media. They thought that search engines were a map of what people were thinking, but actually they were a map of how people were thinking. Impulse, response, fluid, imperfect, patterned, chaotic. Ava Session 3. Okay, it's actually embarrassing how fast Caleb has fallen in love with this I, robot. I, I, yeah, you can put that out there. I it, agree. It's a robot, dude. You can tell it's a robot. <laughs> and this guy is supposed to be a little bit suspicious of everything that's going on, yet immediately still falls right into the trap. Yeah, so maybe Nathan knew what he was doing in yeah. terms of selecting a mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> she surprises him by getting a dress and a wig, which help to conceal her most android-looking areas on her body. And then she starts talking about micro-expressions on Caleb's face, and it just gets Oh yeah, real humiliating. He's giving it like, all away. She's like, I can tell that you like me, and she's like doing uh, all kinds of shit. And, and then he's like falling all over. What? What? I have a girlfriend. She lives in Niagara Falls. <laughs> this is the first time she expresses her desire to experience the outside world in a very clear and succinct way. And reveals maybe a little bit more about her internal motivations for the rest of the film. But it, I, I guess, you know, we're goofing on Caleb a little bit. You can at least give him credit because he's somewhat suspicious. Because in the aftermath of this session, he confronts Nathan a little bit more when he's quizzing him about how he decided to make a, a feminine robot. Like, why is he doing this, doing that? I guess on her whole existence and like makeup, not to be too much like Caleb and needing to know like how it works but they talk about her whole base code being based off this search engine thing but i'm just like trying to figure out is this something in her where she's always able to just kind of like tap into whatever information is out there or is it more like blade runner where they have memories that have been built in like i have it, no idea I, that's a, it seems weird that she would have all these perceptions of the world outside it doesn't seem like she has memories because she knows that she's only ever been in that room right but so it, it probably does operate more like a search engine where she can just have a like wealth of information. Tap into whatever she wants at any time. It's sort of like the Mary in the black and white room test that he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Knowing the difference between experience and feeling versus knowledge. Right. This is sort of a lame example, but <laughs> it's the difference between standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and seeing a picture of the Grand Canyon. Seeing a picture of the Grand Canyon lets you get a sense of it, but it could never really be the same. Yeah. 
the further we push our technological boundaries is like, well, you could get a, a virtual reality headset and it could give you the perception that you're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. but it's still not exactly the same. Right. It'll never be exactly the same because you won't be able to hear the same things, smell the same things, taste the dirt in your mouth. Kind of, you know, it's never exactly the same, no matter how close we approximate it. And I think that's sort of the difference between Ava and the synthetic humans in a Blade Runner who have these pretend memories, and right? All that right. Stuff. Ava seems aware of what she is to a certain extent. Yeah, and has this vast knowledge outside of her world. But to answer your real question, you bet she can fuck. <laughs> that wasn't my real question. Why did you give her sexuality? An AI doesn't need a gender. She could have been a gray box. Hmm. Actually, I don't think that's true. Can you give an example of consciousness at any level, human or animal, that exists without a sexual dimension? They have sexuality as an evolutionary reproductive need. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? Anyway, sexuality is fun, man. If you're going to exist, why not enjoy it? What, you want to remove the chance of her falling in love and fucking? And in answer to your real question, you bet she can fuck. What? In between her legs, there's an opening with a concentration of sensors. You engage them in the right way, creates a pleasure response. So, if you wanted to screw her, mechanically speaking, you could, and she'd enjoy it. That wasn't my real question. Oh, okay, sorry. My real question was, did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? I don't follow. Like a stage magician with a hot assistant. So a hot robot who clouds your ability to judge your AI? Exactly, so, did you program her to flirt with me? If I did, would that be cheating? Wouldn't it? Caleb, what's your type? Of girl? No, of salad dressing. Yeah, of girl. What's your type of girl? You know what? Don't even answer that. Let's say it's black chicks. Okay? That's your thing. For the sake of argument, that's your thing. Okay? Why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed analysis of all racial types and you cross-referenced that analysis with a points-based system? No. You just attracted the black chicks. A consequence of accumulated external stimuli that you probably didn't even register as they registered with you. Did you program her to like me or not? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. I love that Nathan is just so base with this. He's just such a douche. He is the genius who created this, and yet you almost get the sense that he wants to market this as a living sex doll. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The way he acts about this stuff. Like, why would you... No matter how much time he invested in this thing, he's taken some of that time to create, I guess, like a vagina. I'm not really sure what he means exactly, but... Well, he's a lonely guy out there. (laughs) There's not a lot of real women around. (laughs) It's very strange. And so then Caleb, of course, is suspicious. He's like, did you program her to flirt with me? 
Nathan more or less dances around it and says, like, no, I mean, she's choosing to do that based off of external stimuli, but it's not the same thing as right. telling her to act a certain way. Caleb not buying it, knowing his history with women. Well, it brought up something in me that I'm not sure that I've ever quite experienced, but I sort of get it, which is the sense that you're being manipulated, yeah, but you're powerless to stop it, and well, it still happens, and it's still a successful manipulation. It's sort of like the William Almost Famous thing. Even when I <laughs> thought I was, I knew I wasn't, you know? Yeah, or falling in love with a stripper. Right. Because of the way she acts in the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Like, you know that it's not real, but you just sort of... It doesn't matter how many times we warn you on the way in. <laughs> you're, st- <laughs> you're still doing it. Right. A hundred percent. But on such a deeper level, too, because he's able to extricate himself from the situation with Ava, then he's like, I, I feel like I'm being manipulated, but it's still going to happen anyway. So that brings us to Ava session four. So the dress and the wig remain. This is the new standard in her most human looking presentation thus far this is where caleb brings up the mary in the black and white room test story about mary's the scientist yeah who lives in a black and white room has never seen color she studies color she knows everything about color but she's never seen it so does she really know it that's sort of a right a mind a mind fuck yeah the weird thing about caleb is i never really fully get the sense that he actually has a plan for any of this he does and he doesn't. He gets thrown very easily. Right, right. But he does make a good point because what it feels like to see color is sort of the difference between the computer versus the human mind. Because you can build an endless ocean of knowledge for an AI to have. But what is knowledge without experience? What is knowledge without feeling and sensation? It, yeah, it's, it's just, just like data. Yeah, it's just nothing. Right. And it's the difference, I guess, between... Sheet music and hearing an orchestra. Okay, fair enough. How about that? Good, yeah. <laughs> Try but that one out. You could create a robot that could play the sound, but understanding what those sounds right. mean like and feel. Getting the sensation from it. Yes. There's another power cut, and Ava reveals that it is she who is triggering the power outages that temporarily shut down the surveillance system that Nathan is using to monitor guess- her interactions with Caleb, allowing them to speak privately. As a viewer, it seems so unshocking that she's the one causing the power outages. But is Nathan not figuring this out? I never understand that. Like, is this really like a problem that he can't figure out what's happening with these power outages? At some point, he has to be suspicious that it's her since it's happening during the sessions now. Well, maybe that's why she threw that one in the middle of the night. Yeah, okay. To make it seem random. random Right, okay. Yeah, you do have to sort of just go with it. And take a leap of faith that he can't figure it out, even though he seemingly can figure anything out. He is drinking a lot. That's true. And maybe one of the morals of the story, going back to the fear of these people that create these things, is that he doesn't even fully appreciate what he's created. Well, He underestimates her. Right, right. That is apparent, yeah. It doesn't cross his mind that she would have done this. Right. Because he doesn't think that he's programmed her to do something like that or something. I don't know. Later, Caleb thinks he's figured it out, and Nathan's going to allow him a little bit here. He realizes the contest wasn't real, that he was actually chosen, and Nathan does confirm this to be true, but he's only really allowing him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. 
He's like, yeah, but I chose you because you're the best programmer. And blah. You know, he's like right, backpedaling right. and yeah, coming yeah. up with his other stuff. And so he allows a little bit of a victory for Caleb here, but Caleb doesn't realize that there's much more to it. He sees on his TV in his room Nathan tearing up Ava's drawings, and this seems to confirm the bad relationship between the two that Ava was alluding to. Caleb tracks down Kyoko, and he tries to talk to her, and then he realizes, okay, she doesn't speak English, which is what Nathan told him, but then there's this instant sexuality, and it, I, I mean, if you weren't sure what the deal was with her, I feel like it makes it super obvious, although Caleb still hasn't figured it out. Right. Because <laughs> she immediately starts unbuttoning her shirt, and he's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's uncomfortable. And when Nathan comes into the room, and Caleb confronts him about tearing up Ava's picture. He's like, I'm about to tear up this dance floor, dude. <laughs> Doesn't even respond to the question. It is like one of the most hilarious parts in the whole movie, like him and Kyoko doing this like synchronized dance. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. Well, yeah, he tries to get Caleb to dance with her, and then he's like, all right, well, she can definitely dance. She can't speak English, but she can dance, and then they're just doing this insane right? dance. <laughs> yes. Kyoko. Kyoko, where's Nathan? Where's Nathan? Jesus Christ, you really don't speak a word of English. What the fuck? No, 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 no. Stop. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. What are you doing? I told you, you're wasting your time talking to her. However, you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. Go ahead, dance with her. Dance with her. No? You don't like dancing? She does. Come on, buddy. After a long day of Turing test, you gotta unwind. What were you doing with Ava? What? You tore up her picture. I'm gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, dude. Check it out. Yeah, it was a great theatrical moment. Oh, that's right. Yes. Great reaction. At one point, Nathan tells Caleb it's Promethean meaning the situation that they're in, they find themselves in. Prometheus was the Greek titan that stole fire from the gods and delivered it to humanity. This incurred the wrath of the gods, for which he was chained to a rock and had his liver pecked out by an eagle every morning. Oof. Nathan also metaphorically stole something from God, the gift of creation, and routinely punishes his own liver by drinking heavily most evenings. Wow, that's a connection. Later on, the job will be finished for him. Also, yes. the alternate title of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was the modern Prometheus, and there are a lot of similarities to Frankenstein in this story. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Ava, session five. Ava is going to test Caleb. She is a walking lie detector test. <laughs> yes. She doesn't always know the answer, but she knows whether or not Caleb is lying based this would off be of his facial expressions. A tough life to live, I think. Having this around all the time. Are you a good person? It's her first question. 
and then it goes from there. What will happen to me if I fail your test? Eva. Will it be bad? I I don't know. Do you think I might be switched off because I don't function as well as I'm supposed to? Eva, I don't know the answer to your question. It's not up to me. Why is it up to anyone? Do you have people to test you and might switch you off? No, I don't. Then why do I? What will happen to me if I fail your test? She reveals to Caleb that the torn up drawing was of him. And then she cuts the power and she says, I want to be with you. Do you want to be with me? And it cuts away before we know Caleb's reaction to mm-hmm. this. But I think we know. I got a big one on the line here. I'm reeling it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a stupid sucker. Really? Caleb becomes increasingly wary of Nathan's drinking, narcissism, and abusive behavior towards Kyoko and Ava. He learns that Nathan intends to upgrade Ava, deleting her memory, including the interactions with Caleb, thereby, quote-unquote, killing her current personality in the process. And ultimately, Ava is not the first. There has been a long line of these. Caleb discovers that Nathan made an earlier version to Ava, whose name was Lily, in an analogy to the myth about Lilith, Uh the first woman that God created before Eve. In Jewish folklore, Lilith becomes Adam's first wife. Lilith left Adam after she refused to become subservient to him. God proceeded to create a second Eve for Adam after Lilith had returned to dust. Nathan and Caleb are also biblical names as well. Ava is sort of a play on Eve. After encouraging Nathan to drink until he passes out, Caleb steals his security card to gain access to his room and computer. After altering some of Nathan's code, Caleb discovers disturbing footage of Nathan interacting with previous Android models and then learns Kyoko, of course, as we already know, <laughs> is also an android. Is any of the Nathan overdoing it, getting this wasted, a put on, or is this all legit? I think it's legit. I think so, too. But it... Because this is what has consequences that leads For to him, yes. Nathan's own demise here. Caleb's own paranoia leads him to cut his own arm with a razor to examine his flesh to determine whether he's an android or not. Yeah, and that even seems in this like sequence, a lead. You can you can tell that he's being watched because right. it mimics the opening with the phone and everything. Because yeah. you got that weird. Is he getting a little POV. cabin fever up here? Maybe this seems like a wild leap that he's like. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm artificial intelligence. Now. Yeah, because it, it seems to fit more with Blade Runner, right? Because, like you said, there's nothing in this film that really indicates that Nathan is able to implant fake memories into a brain. Yes. That doesn't seem to be the case with Ava or anything else. So the fact that he can remember his life and then is also thinking, I could be a robot, that, that's it taking it to right. like another level yeah. than what's happening in the movie. But it's kind of a funny little thing. Although I was a little bit worried. He did the vertical cut on the wrist. It's like, oh boy, is he yeah. going to bleed out here? Hopefully. <laughs> it would be, be better for everyone yeah, it'd be if he did. a less embarrassing <laughs> way to die than what ends up happening. <laughs> Ava session six. At their next meeting, Ava once again cuts the power. Caleb explains Nathan's plans for her, and Ava begs for Caleb's help. 
So they form a plan. Caleb will get Nathan drunk again and reprogram the security system to open the doors during a power failure instead of locking them. When Ava cuts the power, she and Caleb will be able to leave together. Things seem to go wrong immediately when Nathan declines to share a drink with Caleb. I think as a viewer, your antenna might start going up there. It's, <laughs> it's oh, obvious that something's yeah. up. Right. It feels off the way he's acting. Nathan, I mean. Nathan reveals to Caleb that he observed the last secret conversation between Caleb and Ava during the power cut thanks to a battery-powered camera he planted after ripping up Ava's picture. He also confirms that he saw a video of Caleb cutting himself in the bathroom. So the suspicions of the constant camera monitoring is confirmed. So then if you go back to the beginning of the film, that ties in with him being monitored through his cell phone. Right. It was the same like weird color yes, yes. thing going on there for a minute. It's so strange, though, how far Caleb is into this, how deep he is. Because even when I know Nathan admits all of these things, he's still like, I'm 100% in. I know. I think I would just be like, okay, you know what? I think I'm just going to get on the chopper tomorrow and <laughs> take off. You feel stupid, but you really shouldn't because proving an AI is exactly as problematic as you said it would be. What was the real test? You. Ava was a rat in a maze, and I gave her one way out. To escape, she'd have to use self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, empathy, and she did. Now, if that isn't true AI, what the fuck is? So my only function was to be someone she could use to escape? Yeah. And you didn't select me because I'm good at coding? No. Well... No, I mean, you're okay. You're even pretty good, but... You selected me based on my search engine inputs. They showed a good kid. With no family. With a moral compass. No girlfriend. Did you design Ava's face based on my pornography profile? Oh, shit, dude. Did you? Hey, if a search engine's good for anything, right? <laughs> Can I just say one thing? The test worked. It was a success. Ava demonstrated true AI, and you were fundamental to that. So if you can just, for a second, separate... Well, I guess it's 10 o'clock. He was going to be wondering where you are. Let me ask you something. Now, how is this plan going to gonna go anyway? Because you didn't totally explain. So you were going to get me drunk, steal my key card, and reprogram the security protocols, but reprogram them to what? To change the lockdown procedure. So then the event of a power cut, instead of sealing, the door is all opened. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that may have just worked. Well, we'll find out. What do you mean? 
I figured you were probably watching us during the power cuts. So I already did all those things. When I got you drunk yesterday. Because Nathan says Ava has only been pretending to like Caleb so that he will help her escape, and that was the real test all along. And since she manipulated Caleb successfully, she has demonstrated true intelligence. So the test subject in Nathan's mind was really Caleb. Can we manipulate him to the point of helping her escape? Yeah. Once that's revealed to Caleb, it, it does not phase him at all. Right. He's like, I am 100% in still. <laughs> well, you get it. He's planning their wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know Caleb's got one more trick up his sleeve, but what a fucking humiliating beatdown for him, this whole Nathan revealing this all to him. Yeah. Ugh, just a disgrace. <laughs> right on cue, Ava cuts the power. But... Caleb has something up his sleeve that Nathan had no idea, and for a change, Nathan was outsmarted. It turns out, though, that Caleb was actually one step ahead all along. He suspected Nathan was watching them whenever the power cuts happened and actually modified the security system the previous day when Nathan was passed out, disabling the locks on Ava's cell. After seeing Ava leave her confinement on the security camera, Nathan knocks Caleb unconscious and rushes to stop her. Yeah, a little bit of a panic moment. Yeah, this is the first time where things aren't going exactly how Nathan thought, and you can see there's like true panic. Oh, yeah. It's off the rails. And the audience is unsure what to think and who to root for. I think naturally, because Nathan is so horrible, the audience is siding with Ava. For sure. And that's sort of the genius of the film in a way because we buy into her. We yes. believe that she is a we're person. Just, we're as dumb as Caleb. Yeah, and we don't know what she would do if she'd be set free. She could take over the world potentially. We don't know what she's capable of. Yeah, right. There's some danger to her. And yet we out want her to succeed yes. because Nathan is such a shithead that they by default seem like the good guys. Yes. And so we want this plan to work. They seem like abused, like trapped. Ava knocks Nathan to the ground. They wrestle and he overpowers her, eventually breaking her arm off. But Kyoko stabs Nathan in the back. I don't know why I assume they have superhuman strength. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like when she's running at him, you're like, what the fuck's going to (laughs) happen? You know, like it seems intimidating when she's running at him and she does like tackle him at first, but then he kind of does out muscle her. Leading up to him getting stabbed in the back. Nathan strikes back, disabling Kyoko completely with a blow to the head, which knocks her jaw off, and that seems to shut her down. Uh-huh. Ava then stabs Nathan in the chest, essentially sealing his fate. And this is the part I was alluding to earlier, where they don't really play with you. They just tell you straight up what to think in a way. Because now the words come up on the screen, Ava Session 7. <laughs> right. And... Nathan is dead. Caleb is unconscious and not testing her. So who was testing who all along? (laughs) Yeah. As Nathan bleeds out, Ava enters his private room and repairs herself by taking a replacement arm from one of the old models in Nathan's closet. It is very serial killer shit, his fucking closet. (laughs) It's just like these pieces of women and dead bodies. Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's why his last name is Bateman in the movie. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, it's Nathan Bateman. Oh, shit. Okay, that could be a nod there, yeah. Because he just sort of like this vacant person that he's pretending to be like a bro. like Right. Like he's going to be friends with Caleb. Yeah, yeah. But it's all an act. I don't know. No, that could be. She also takes artificial skin to conceal her mechanical appearance. Finally, she adds a wig, dress, and shoes to complete the appearance of a human woman. She then leaves the facility, locking Caleb inside and ignoring his screams. Yeah, but they do have a moment when she first walks into the room. They are together for a second, and she just is like, stay here. Yeah. (laughs) You'll stay here, won't you? And he's like, yeah, whatever you want, of course. (laughs) She's just like, see ya? Yeah. And this essentially confirms that she was manipulating him all along. She did not care about him. Yeah, and she... Just as Nathan said. It's specifically shot in a way that as she's... She has sort of a long exit from the place. Right. And she will not look at him. Yeah, which I think confirms to me that her emotions are not real. Because, yes, humans are capable of murder and humans are capable of doing shitty things. But I do think that you would be able to see emotion, an emotional response from a human. And she just shuts that off. Remorse about what she did. And so, again, it comes back to more comparable to, like, an animal instinct of survival than actual human emotion. Yeah. She wants to escape. That is programmed into her probably by Nathan for this stupid fucking test he came up with. Right. Which ended up being a disaster because it worked. (laughs) Yeah. So effectively. So effectively that Caleb was willing to go the extra mile and do, like, a double fake out and (laughs) fuck everything up. Right. Now she's roaming free. Ava escapes... The building and is picked up by the helicopter meant to take Caleb home. The timing of all this stuff is kind of weird because the power outage is supposed to happen at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. I know. And it then seems the like it's still light up. To come at 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> How many hours went by? I'm right. not really sure. <laughs> Imagine being this helicopter guy. You think you're picking up this geek, and all of a sudden, like Alicia Vikander just comes walking out of the woods. Yeah, you're just like, oh, all right. <laughs> Top of the morning. The film ends with Ava arriving in an unknown city and blending into a crowd, and then we don't know. Yeah, where does she's, it all go? She's just out there. In all the of a sudden, friggin' Harrison Ford shows up <laughs> to retire her. No, she's Deckard's daughter. That's <laughs> Did Nathan think to build in the time frame where they expire? Who knows? We don't yeah. know. So yeah, I think there's a, a lot of questions that can be pondered. At the end of this film, you can take the lessons learned, uh, the the lessons about artificial intelligence and sort of apply that to humanity in general, which is how most good science fiction works anyway. Right. And I do think that it sort of slots in there nicely alongside things like 2001 or Blade Runner or other things that just sort of question what it means to be human and what it, yeah. what that all entails. And, and this movie accomplishes a lot on... Like we said, a relatively small budget. I mean, it wasn't made for nothing, but $15 million is... You yeah, know. small budget, small cast, mostly contained story. Right. But you get the point, and it it probably could be actually restructured to be like a, a play or something, because it's just sort of people talking sure. a lot of it. Yeah, yeah really cool movie. I think that up next, we're going to do a listener request, and... I think after that we're going to do another revisited. So we got we got like a lot of interesting stuff. As I said, there's going to be more info to come on the future of the listener request. I think maybe we'll just address that in our next listener request just episode, which will probably come out next off. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the announcement is no, we're not doing them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we finally shut that down for good. Forget it. Just forget it. Yeah. 
All right. So we although have- real quick on that, when you texted me that we're on hiatus, no idea the future of the show, everything up in the air. I'm like, is our last episode going to be the Brotherhood of the Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> that would, yeah, that would have well, been weird. Yeah. I like how you think that I would just text you we're on a hiatus rather than just saying we're not doing the show anymore, which I would definitely just say that. Well, yeah, I know, but I I didn't think that you didn't think we were on a hiatus, but I thought we're on a hiatus, he's going to find himself enjoying. Oh, I was enjoying it. <laughs> the time so much that it's just like, this is not worth going back. I think originally I was thinking we'd come back last week, and then I was like, I need a little bit more yeah. time. No, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I need a little bit more time. We crammed in a lot through last year it was needed yeah well, okay do we have anything else to say about ex machina this is my introduction to alicia vikander i think so, yeah for me for sure i was like totally 100 percent in her career is sort of weird it's hard to get a read on it sometimes she was in a couple of things last year she was definitely my favorite part of the green knight I, oh yeah that's voice right she was doing i mean i was like in love i was basically like caleb in this movie oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> Just right falling yeah. for it immediately yeah, I do think that we probably could stand to have a little less Oscar Isaac in our lives. It's a bit much. It's a little overbearing. Yeah, he's a worker. Yeah, and we are eagerly anticipating the new Alex Garland film, Men, which I guess will come out in the next couple of months, yeah, also from A24. Interesting trailer. A lot of buzz. I was probably not as high on Annihilation as some people. I did like it, though. I, I Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought the ending was ludicrous, but oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and not all of it made a ton of sense I to agree me. with that. In fact, yeah. it actually made less sense the second time I watched it, but <laughs> there are fierce defenders of it, and people think it's like really great. I did not watch Devs, so I can't speak to it, mm-hmm. but I probably Same. will try to check it out at some point if it's on Hulu or something, which probably should be. Okay. What are you doing? What? <clears throat> what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Okay, so let's move on to recommendation. I feel like we should just talk about... Batman? The last two movies we saw okay. in the theater. As I mentioned in our last Give Us a Second, I think if we had not gone on hiatus, we would have had fun talking about the worst person in the world, maybe a little bit more in this feature but oh yeah so much time has gone on right. and we've seen like, what was things. that movie we'll talk briefly about the batman i don't know that there's like a ton to say about it uh, uh it's mostly enjoyable it's not something that i like it's it's very like hit or miss for me there's some of it that i loved and some of it that i was sort of like i can't believe that people love this this much <laughs> so yeah. i was like i was definitely like in the middle on it the parts that I liked, I really liked a lot. Sure, yeah, same. But there was a lot of shit where I was just sort of like, really? Yeah, I will say it's so superior in my mind to anything that they've been doing with the Justice League stuff. So it was. Well, yeah, some people really love it. Some people really hate it. The Justice League and the Zack Snyder stuff is, is probably the most polarizing yeah. shit out there. I mean, for me, it's the Nolan trilogy, and I think it always will be. Oh, yeah, I definitely prefer the Nolan stuff. The things that annoyed me the most, Colin Farrell playing the Penguin, I hate shit like that. Yeah. I know that we have defended the Leto performance in House of Gucci, but it doesn't mean that it didn't irk me in the same way, where you have these handsome actors playing like odd-looking people with tons of prosthetics, and it, it fits in weird. with what yeah. I was just saying about Oscar Isaac. There's like a dozen people now. 
there's no character actors. It's like giving character actor parts to handsome leading men and having them look fucked up. It's stupid. Why can't you cast an actor that looks like the Penguin? Or what you want the Penguin to be, rather than dumping him in prosthetics and all that shit. Yeah, it's weird. That annoyed me. The length was absurd. Absolutely. (laughs) Too long. The Riddler starts out super cool, and it's definitely an homage to Seven and Fincher. Sure, and it does that part's cool. sort of cross over into Saw a little bit, too. Yeah. But it gets old, and I, the cackling and the laughing is very reminiscent of Joker. I, I didn't really understand what he was morphing into. By yeah, the the, it's it. almost like the more you know about him, the worse he gets. The, the mystery is better. They released that deleted scene online of... I, this is like spoiler shit, but... There's a little bit of the Joker at the end of the movie, but there's a whole deleted scene with the Joker and Batman that they released where you actually get a look at that dude. He was in, like, Dunkirk. He's, like, Barry Kagan or whatever. Okay. He's the Joker, and he looks really fucked up. But, okay, people. Go ahead. There's more Batman villains than just Catwoman and the Joker. Yeah, We don't need to see the same people over and over again. There were some things that seemed like just going back to the well on. Yeah, I don't know. There's other like why not do a very cool rendition of Poison Ivy or something to that effect? Yeah, just do Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. Well, I don't they're not going to do Harley <laughs> yeah. Quinn right now when they're cuz I there's no real crossover to that Harley Quinn right. world and I I don't think they're going to do a different Harley Quinn while this one's going on. I just want like a live action of the Poison Ivy Harley Quinn like animated friendship that they have. Well, yeah, there's just the cartoon now. Uh, on that series, yeah. I would enjoy just like a live-action version of that. Well, they were, there was talk of Gotham City Sirens, which is like Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, but I don't know. Who knows? The The last Harley Quinn movie, which was pre-pandemic, didn't even really do that well. Yeah. Anyway, so there were awesome parts of it. I liked a lot of the fight sequences. The chase sequence is like really cool. Right. The music is cool, although very repetitive. It's just sort of like more of a mixed bag than I think some people are willing to admit. I get that like younger people are going to like cream their jeans over it and look to the past as being like another generation's thing. Like people who are younger are probably not going to give a shit about the first four Batman movies. And then the Nolan Batman movies are going to be like not quite their generation. So like this is their thing. And I I get that it's cool. I did not really like Andy Serkis as Alfred. I I thought that was stupid. Okay. That was Andy Serkis? I thought that was... Kenneth Branagh. No, it was Andy Serkis. Okay. Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah, the director of Belfast is is uh, Alfred. Well, no. he's an actor in a lot of shit. No, I know. He was in Tenet, but no, it's it's Andy Serkis. Oh, okay. My eyes were on Zoe Kravitz anytime sure. she's on screen, but I, they didn't give her much to do. And look, I know that people are like, they want to keep it gritty and hardcore and, and really grounded and like close to reality, right. but- you have the Riddler who doesn't look like the Riddler. You have Catwoman who never goes like full Catwoman. And you have the Penguin who doesn't really look like the various versions of the Penguins from anything else. And I don't know. It just sort of gets very like samey and boring. You're just like, I kind of want a little bit more flash in it. Maybe it's just yeah. because it's coming on the heels of like the Justice League and the Snyder stuff and then the Nolan stuff. And it's all very grim. And it's like... Maybe we we need to inject a little bit more color back into this stuff. Right. That's why it almost feels a little too derivative of things. But obviously, it's a smash hit, made a ton of money, and got great reviews. So they're not going to change anything. But I think just from my perspective, 
if you're going to sit through three hours or something, I'd like there to be like a little bit more fun. And I think this could have been a two hour and 20 minute movie. Yeah, I think they could have trimmed out some stuff. And, yeah. and it's just so like these movies are so devoid of sex. And I know that like they're not going to have like nudity or anything, but really he kisses Catwoman like once or twice. It's like, come on, dude. At least the Dark Knight Rises, he like fucks Talia Ghul. <laughs> like he's at least getting <laughs> yeah. some ass. I, I I know that like younger people are just like terrified of like sex and they just can't put sex in anything and it has it whatever and I know it's not gonna be like a graphic scene but just like something he just seems like so emo plus uh, yeah so emo and it's just like the movie would just not end <laughs> I mean I think like, we've covered the length I know but it's not just the length it's like what the fuck with this long motorcycle sequence of them leaving the cemetery <laughs> i just so think that long. the shot of the cemetery was cool well same but it just goes on and on and they're like riding together forever and then finally I will say that part ways the one thing that i would put this above almost anything as far as batman adaptations is i thought it was the coolest looking gotham yeah now obviously it looked like they did this the, the thing again where they combined chicago and new york city yeah, but it didn't look familiar like that, though. Like, well, it's true. way more obvious in Nolan's yeah, yeah. cities you're looking at. And then Pittsburgh, oddly enough. <laughs> but I do think that Burton's Gotham in Batman and Batman Returns is really cool, too. Yeah. But this was something, it just looked really cool. I thought the cinematography was cool and everything. Yes. It just, it was a bit much. Which doesn't leave us much time for X. But I think we both really enjoyed yeah, X. Yeah, I liked X. The new horror film from Ty West, also released on A24, like Ex Machina, starring Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega and Britney Snow, yeah, amongst other, a and cool Kid cast. Cudi. Yeah. It's an homage, I think, to 70s horror films well, and grindhouse films, very much like Texas Chainsaw you know, Massacre. Ty West just seems like an old horror fan. Yeah. This movie does have nudity and sex and graphic violence and yeah, weird it was great. shit and... <laughs> Look, the ending is insanely dumb. Yeah, like it's for just sure. dumb, but like it's fun dumb, and right. you can kind of go with it. Uh, the payoff wasn't as great as like maybe the build. The build is like really fun and yes. great, but it's just a weird dumb movie that's a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely, with fun performances. So I would definitely recommend checking out X. I think most people who want to see the batman probably already have i don't think we need to really recommend that to people (laughs) anyway follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on apple podcasts podbean etc give us a rating and review on apple podcasts please let us know if you'd like a sticker on twitter and we'll send you one for free follow us on letterboxd zach1983 matt crosby I think we'll probably be back pretty soon with another Give Us a Second. We're really getting a lot done right now. Yes, we are. Jam-packed, making up for lost time. And as I said, we will have a listener request coming up soon, and we'll have an announcement regarding a few listener requests that we're going to try to cram into a short amount of time or something to that effect, and we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Another hiatus is announced. (laughs) I'm like, I can't do it. (laughs) We tried to come back. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.